Welcome to the CultureWise Podcast, where God's good news meets the Latter-day Saints with wisdom and grace. Here we aim to discuss topics relating to how followers of Jesus can more effectively reach Latter-day Saints in their relational networks. For more information about this podcast, check out our pilot episode titled, What Is This Podcast About? My name is Daniel Schugert, and I am joined today by Ross Anderson. In today's episode, we want to continue discussing some of the obstacles that Latter-day Saints face when they're transitioning out of Mormonism. For more information about this topic, check out our last episode where we discussed three obstacles, surviving the emotional journey, facing relational challenges, and navigating doctrinal differences. So Ross, let's continue. Those are the first three obstacles that many former Mormons face. What's beyond that? Well, um, you know, this is, those are the kind of, I've kind of ordered these thoughts in a sense of flow. Those might be the first things that people deal with. And as they come farther along in the journey, these last three maybe are more typical for someone who's, you know, already maybe navigated those other things to some extent. And, you know, there's a sense in which until you've navigated your emotional aspects, you probably, you probably really aren't ready to, t- to deal with some other stuff later on or, or your relational. That could, be a, that could be a point where you get bogged down or where you have to put a lot of your emotional, personal energy into until you figure it out. And then you can kind of move on. So in that sense, there, there's a sequence, although you'll find in real life that people will bounce around all kinds of different things. Mm-hmm. But these are typically maybe later in the sequence. We talk about how to how a person has to rethink their relationship with Jesus and how to develop that, and then how to connect with a church, um, and then and then how to find a new sense of purpose in their life as a follower of Christ versus as a member of the LDS Church. Mm-hmm. So, what is your understanding of the process of growing in a relationship to Jesus? Well, here, here's the issue, that Mormonism has a number of spiritual practices that they encourage and practice that are about how they would frame a relationship with God, um, practices of personal piety, you might call them. They might look very, very similar because LDS people will pray. Well, Christians will pray. LDS people um, you know, will fast or they maybe journal or they are you know give financially and so forth and Christians might do all those same things but it might it might mean something very very different and so we're we're helping a person come out look at those things or practice those things to remove it from a particular framework to then embedded in a different framework of approach so with LDS people all of those Practices of personal piety tend to be very legalistic, and they tend to be very transactional with God. You know, if I do this, God will has to bless me, or if I do this, then I will prove my worthiness to God, and eventually He'll bless me with credit toward my eternal, you know, uh, salvation or whatever it might be. But that legalistic transactional approach really no longer applies, or it shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there's a lot of Christians who practice a legalistic transactional approach to God, even though they have the salvation message right. But, but that's not the intent of, of the Scripture. And so that's one thing, is, is translating 
the framework. Another thing is, in Mormonism, it's a lot easier to know where you stand because it is outward, outward, external, and you check the boxes and you go to the meetings and you advance through the priesthood or, or whatever it might be. And so now in Christ, a person, you know, they might be confused about how do, how do I measure my progress? How do I measure my standing? Because it's not externally focused anymore. Um, and so those are some of the big picture questions. And then there's some specific issues that LDS people might face in light of that. Things like priesthood. What does priesthood mean? Um, spiritual disciplines, I mentioned already a little bit. Legalism and judgmentalism. So with priesthood, it's like, okay, I have if I'm male in the LDS church, I have this priesthood authority. I can do things that other people can't do. I can preside over meetings. I can give my uh, family members a personal blessing and pray for healing and things like that by the power of the priesthood. Well, how does that work now as a, as a Christ follower? You know, do I need priesthood? Well, biblically, you have priesthood if you're a Christ follower. It's just a different uh, understanding of priesthood. And you don't need to have priesthood to pray for anybody or to, or to pray for healing or give a blessing or whatever it might be. Again, we mentioned spiritual disciplines. Legalism and judgmentalism. How do I how do I practice the this my life of following Jesus without turning it into um, a legalistic or without making it like comparison to other people? So when your legalism and externalism is the recipe that sets you up to compare yourself to other people. This is the Pharisees, right? In in Luke, right? Jesus tells a story about the Pharisees says, God, thank you that I'm not like these other people because I do this, I fast, I give a tithe, I, et cetera. And that's, that can be really a problem in Mormonism. Another issue is, a huge issue, is how do I navigate new freedom and responsibility? So now that my ethical life is not defined by the standards of the church anymore, and how do I make ethical decisions? Mm-hmm. How do I make decisions about should I do this or should I not do that? You know, because I don't have somebody telling me anymore what to eat, what to drink, what to dress, how to vote, what, you know, whatever it might be. And then, um, what do I? What does baptism mean? What does the Lord's Supper mean? Because Mormons do something that looks just like the Lord's Supper. They call it the sacrament. So how how does that have new meaning now? Um, how does worship? On you know because the LDS um, sacrament meeting has something that resembles worship. They sing hymns and whatnot, and they pray publicly. But now I come into this new setting. How what is how do how do I reimagine um, and reframe worship so that all these things all these things related to the practices and attitudes involved in really following Jesus, then they need to be completely like revisioned or reconstructed in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, often many Latter-day Saints will use uh, their understanding of their spiritual practices, their understanding of their own priesthood authority, and some of these other issues that we've talked about, and that's their their understanding of being mature. That's their understanding of what is their right standing before God, where are they at in the process. But when they 
leave Mormonism and are encountering a biblical understanding of maturity in Jesus, it's it's very different than that. How how can we help people grow in an understanding of biblical maturity in Jesus? Yeah, that's a huge. It's it's a little bit nebulous and it's a little amorphous in a sense because it's so much about heart issues and approach. Because even like we've said, some of the practices might look the same, but but so that that makes it a little bit challenging. But um, one thing is for the light, say for a church, is to really explain why we do what we do. So I, I want to explain baptism. I want to have a class on baptism, whatever. I want to explain the Lord's Supper. Explain. I'm constantly explaining worship, um, and and all the things that that we're coaching people to do in a mentoring situation is is a great opportunity to do that because you can talk one on one about you know how do you, what about prayer? What about um, you know fasting? What is fasting? Let's figure mm-hmm. that out. You know what about tithing or giving? Um, and it, it that could be. A lot of explaining going on, you know, at a at a church level, at an individual level, and I think a church could have if they if there's a population of people coming out of Mormonism, it, you know, if there's a critical mass, then it, it churches could have a group, have a class, have a, a orientation or training something for those people to help them process those things together um, as a group. Now, there's not a critical mass everywhere. Uh, to say, oh, we have 12 ex-Mormons in our church right now. Um, so that's where mentoring comes into play. And I think mentoring personal discipleship one-on-one is huge because then I can tailor my approach to what I discern the needs are. Mm-hmm. You know, we can actually practice some of those things together, you know, and, and, and re- but reframe them. We can pr- pray together. Or we can, um, you know, read scripture together, or whatever it might be, and and I can reframe, reframe, reframe them in a new way. But so this is, you know, the best answer I have is is one on one input, and so this is for churches that this we really encourage churches to train some mentors, and that's you know as you know that's one of the things that here at Utah Advance, as the we're the host of this podcast, that we're trying to do is to help provide some materials and some consulting and some training to help churches to be able to do this internally, to prepare some people who could come alongside when that former LDS person does walk through the door. It may be, I mean, maybe the best person to do it is the person they've already been in relationship with Mm -hmm. that invited them to church or that maybe led them to a faith decision. But maybe that's not the case. Maybe they walk in the door without an existing relationship. And then, and then it's so helpful for them to have someone who can come alongside um, and work with them. So that's why we're really committed to helping train mentors in local churches. So to me, the biggest answer to that question is what? how do you help this? There's probably some other things that we need to think through and figure out, but the biggest answer is a lot of conversations about those kind of things to help reframe their perspective on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's another obstacle that many Latter-day Saints face when leaving is is a a new relationship with Jesus, how they grow in maturity. And it's hard to talk about that for very long without talk, talking about uh, church. 
and a person's relationship to a church. So how can we understand what are some challenges that former Mormons may face in connecting with a local church? Yeah, probably the biggest one is trust. You know, in Mormonism, they were taught to think about other churches in a negative light. Um, They're pretenders, they're wannabes. Um, They're all in competition with each other, trying to be the one true church. That's the narrative you often hear within Mormonism. And so, you know, even for a former Mormon, even just to walk through the doors of a foreign church, Mm -hmm. that's unsettling and can be uh, disorienting to begin with. And then to to connect it all, there's these huge trust issues. What do they want from me? They just want my money. They just want my time and my energy to serve. So a lot of times it takes a, a person coming out of Mormonism, maybe they do connect with the local church, but it takes them a long time before they make any kind of investment. They, they're not going to serve, or they're, they're not going to give, they're not going to really maybe trust what's going on. It takes a long time. So trust is a big issue. Another big issue is just cultural confusion about how, how Christian churches do things differently from the way Mormon church does things. So just things like symbolism. You walk in, there's a different symbolism. Um, They see a big cross in the front, uh, Mm -hmm. and Mormons don't have a cross anywhere in their building. Um, So that's an obvious sort of kind of symbolism. Um, uh, Even the Lord's Supper is a certain kind of symbolism that's similar but different, like we said, from, from the Mormon sacrament service. And so understanding the symbols and what they mean and and, and um, what they're about and why we use them, that can be like, oh, I don't know, really know what's going on here. This is like different um, dress standards. So the LDS dress standards for Sundays are pretty conservative. Um, you know, white shirts and ties and sport coats are suits for men and dresses for women, and they'll walk into a, t- a, tradi- a typical evangelical church and people are dressed in a million different ways, whether it's jeans or shorts, or there might be a tie in the house, um, but a lot more casual. So that, so you walk in, they go, oh my gosh, what is going on here? Like, what is wrong with these people? Mm-hmm. You know, um, the, Just the different practices of what we do. Worship. Worship is so different because you walk in and there's electric um, instruments and drums, and, and then um, you know, it's not necessarily reverent. Mormon value in, in their meetings is reverence, which is sort of solemnity. And, and you know, in, we walk into a worship service, it might be very lively and loud and mm-hmm. exuberant in, in different ways, and they're going like, what? Or even an offering. So Mormon in the Mormon experience, they don't receive an offering in any of their meetings. They just send their money in or give it individually to an authority person. And so many churches that receive an offering, that's going like, whoa, that's really... Um, maybe cringeworthy for a former Mormon. Um, ministry, how does ministry work in the local church? How do people serve? In Mormonism, you're given a calling by your bishop who tells you this is where we'd like you to serve, and it has some authority. It's supposed to be kind of from God. And mm-hmm. um, in a local church like, like, like the ones we attend, um, you know, you volunteer for things based on your gifts and, and, and your growing sense of who you are in Christ. And, and that, so that's really, really different. LDS people have no um, analogy to what many churches do with small groups. 
home Bible study groups or or smaller gatherings um, of believers in a casual, informal setting. There's nothing like that in Mormonism. Um, there's so many different areas. Um, who's in charge here is a big question, and, and what does authority look like? Um, the whole question of giving and stewardship is huge. So, like, like how does the money handled and and um, where does it go? And and so there's all kinds of cultural confusion because churches do things really differently from how the LDS Church does them. I think one big factor is uh, the the fact that many Christian churches don't focus just on their geographic area. For example, in my neighborhood, there's there's a church just down the road, a Christian church, and I met the pastor a little bit ago, and I asked if he knew any members of his church that were in our neighborhood that I could meet, and he he couldn't think of any. Uh, since then, I've seen a few people with a with a sign in their yard that had that church's name in it. Um, but for the most part, that church isn't necessarily reaching the people of my neighborhood, and that's a huge shift for. From from Mormon churches that that is so focused on the geography, the ward is your neighborhood, and so the question of well, how do I build relationships? How do I get to know people in this new church? is is such a challenge. That is, it's a huge obstacle because again, like you said, it's kind of built in 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 the LDS mm-hmm. ward. You know, you know your neighbors, then you know. So how do I how do I build relationships? That's a huge obstacle. When you know, I don't know where our lives intersect, mm-hmm. other than on on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I've noticed it's interesting when when it comes to church. I've noticed that many LDS people seem to gravitate toward unhealthy churches hmm. um, because they're used to legalism, and so they might gravitate toward a legalistic church. They're used to having authoritative leadership, kind of hierarchy of leadership, so they might gravitate to a church that has a high authoritarian style of leadership. Hmm. Now, you know, they would they would maybe it, it's kind of a curious thing. Conceptually they would they would go like, oh, I don't want to be under that anymore, but they find themselves under that because it feels like normal. Feels a, maybe a little normal for people. And certainly uh, there are many, many LD, former LDS people are going to find themselves in churches that Completely don't have any, a clue about their journey or the things they're going through, or mm-hmm. or or that would you know kind of treat them as an oddity, or even try to make them a sudden celebrity, or some just some weird things churches do with former Mormons that mm-hmm. are that become an obstacle. Mm-hmm. So how can be how can we be wise? Uh, whether we're just a member of a church, a participant of a church, or if uh, a, a church leader is wondering, how can we be wise? Yeah, I think um, the first thing is to maybe do a little inventory. Look around and look at the culture of your church um, and and be aware of that. Be aware of the unspoken norms and assumptions that are happening every Sunday um, at your own congregation. Because we get, we're just unaware of our own cultural norms. We just This is the way we do it, the way we've always done it. And, and so trying to see it maybe through the eyes of a complete outsider would be a healthy exercise to be more aware of the things that I need to explain. And so that's the second thing. I'm just we're constantly explaining to people what's going on. Here's what's up. So here's an illustration. Um, my wife and I just joined a new gym. 
And um, so I go to this bicycling class, and I walk in, and I have no idea what's going on, no idea whatsoever. And I don't even know, like, there's all these bikes out there, and I hop on one, and, and, and start to ride is that, and it's not like we're like working the way I think it's supposed to work. And then I see everybody, everybody's bike has an icon up on the, up on a screen that shows, you know, their statistics, how, how, how much power they're putting out and so forth. And mine doesn't have one up there. Uh, how do I get my bike to have an icon up there so I can track my progress? And what are we, what, and so, um, then I had to go and pursue that and ask those questions because it was assumed by the leadership that everybody in the class knows how to do what mm-hmm. you're doing. And clearly you don't fit I, in I have, and it's humiliating I, right. to ask. Right. And I don't know who to ask and I don't know whether – and the, the, the leader is rushing off to another group that she has to lead in another part of the building. And, and then the second time I went, okay, I figured that part out. So you, so you, could, um, you could claim a particular bike – so I got bike number 16, but I didn't know how to know when I walk in the room which bike is bike 16. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't hard to find out, but it was another obstacle. So so we're not aware. A lot of times as churches, we're just not aware of the obstacles that we assume everybody gets it, everybody knows how to do this. Um, you know, to So to inventory, well, maybe people really don't and be more aware so that I'm explaining stuff and over-explaining stuff. Um, to to those people, to mm-hmm. the people who might be walking in the door. That's uh, one thing that churches can do. Every time I visit another church and they, they're doing the Lord's Supper, they're doing communion, it's always a big question. And my wife and I laugh about this every time. We, we pick up the bread and the cup and we look around. Well, what is everybody else doing? Should I take it now? Am I supposed to pray? Am I supposed to like serve it to somebody next to me? What do I do? I'm supposed to wait for everybody to do it at once or what? Yeah, you know. Is the, right, is the leader exactly. going to lead us in when to take it or on our own time? There's so many questions that in most churches go unexplained. Right, right. Exactly. That's a great point. And then the other thing I think churches need to really be thoughtful about is to really evaluate the unhealthy elements. Hmm. That um, it's not just the Mormon church that can be legalistic or again, like we said before, have a transactional approach to God or have authoritarian leadership that's not in balance or not accountable or have a critical backbiting culture of worthiness, you know, where people are comparing themselves to each other and stuff like that. So I think a church needs to really take a look in the mirror to say, are we a healthy place that, that, that God would be pleased with um, giving us opportunity to have newcomers come in, and we, how will we treat them? How will we nurture them? Um, are we healthy enough to enfold people coming out of Mormonism? Mm-hmm. That's really helpful. So that's one of the obstacles connecting with a church that many Latter Day Saints face. Let's let's take a look at this last one. The sixth obstacle that you identified is finding a new purpose. What's, what's the issue that many people face in finding a new purpose? Yeah, before we get into that, I just it occurred to me that it might be helpful for our listeners to know that we have some resources about all these things at um, our website, faithaftermormonism.org. And we created faithaftermormonism.org to provide insight and content for people who are helping these people on the journey. 
Uh, certainly the person who's on the journey, the former Mormon, could go on there and look look up some stuff and learn a lot on their own, but it's really designed for... We said how important having a mentor is, having someone walk alongside, but this, we created this site to really help that person who's walking alongside the transitioning Mormon to help them to have some content that they could share. So there's great resources in there about things we've talked about um, along the way here, some great resources in there about how do you um, how do you manage new freedom and responsibility? How do you find a church? How do you you know relate to a church and different things like that? And there's some resources in there about uh, finding a new purpose too. And so we'd encourage our listeners to go check out faithaftermormonism.org and, um, and and browse around there and find you can find a lot more about some of these things we're talking about. But with, with this, the issue is, for a Latter-day Saint person, their purpose in life is defined in, this, in terms of this plan of salvation or plan of happiness that we talked about in a previous episode. Um, and, and this earth life is called your second estate. The purpose of the earth life here is to prove yourself worthy to return to Heavenly Father. And so that, that um, drives an active LDS person. That, that's what drives their desire for um, self-improvement. That's what drives them to fulfill the callings, the ministry callings that they're given. Uh, that's what drives them to share um, you know, their version of the gospel, to share the Mormon church with, with non-Mormons. That, that's what drives them to build up the institutional church and the family, both now and eternity, all of that, that sense of purpose of proving worthy to return to Heavenly Father. Um, that's no longer a factor once you come to faith in Christ, because it because your you your standing is based on His worthiness, not your own, mm-hmm. and what He's done, and not what you do. And so, if you're pursuing Jesus after Mormonism, then okay, what's my purpose now? What what drives me? What what do I live for every day? And and that becomes then like okay. What's the point now of all of all this? Especially for someone who's been very driven by a sense of purpose, been very active, been very motivated. Now what? Now how does that work? Mm-hmm. So how can we even understand our own purpose as we try to help others discover the purpose? Yeah, I'd say to put it in a nutshell. Well, um, in the the biggest possible global sense. Um, your life on earth is not about you, it's about God. Hmm. And so the way I frame it for LDS people is that your life on earth is not about proving yourself worthy, it's about proving that God is worthy. Mm-hmm. It's not about demonstrating your worthiness, it's about demonstrating God's worthiness. Or your righteousness, it's demonstrating Christ's righteousness to the watching world. And so to bring glory to him by imaging him in his creation. And that means a lot of different things. Among other things, it's how we we live in step with and consistent with his his creation and what what he how he made things to work. How we live in step with his character as being transformed individuals. It has to do with how we um, share with the world around us what God has done redemptively for mm-hmm. to to remake. The broken creation that human beings, you know, caused, and so um, if I if if I'm going to say my purpose on earth is to demonstrate the worthiness, the glory of God, 
then that's going to take shape in in a number of these different ways. Mm-hmm. You know? And that and, and and that becomes like okay, this is why I get up in the morning. I want I want the world around me to know that God is awesome. You know that God is good. That God is a, a savior. That God is a provider. And so there's some verbal things and there's some nonverbal things that that's going to take shape, and it's going to take shape in how I how I um, steward my family life and how I interact mm-hmm. with other Christians and how I interact with people who don't know Christ as well. Yeah, so this is a very real challenge for everybody who's following Jesus is stepping into this purpose of life. How can we be helpful as, as we're growing in an understanding of our purpose and walking in it? How can we help others as well? Well, yeah, um, again, it, a lot of it is spending time investing in a person so that they can invest in someone later. You know, mm. as Paul says, you know, um, you know, find faithful individuals and teach them what I've taught you and so they can teach others also. So there, there's this idea of disciples who make disciples. So I'm investing in them to help prepare them not only to navigate all these challenges and, and get their worldview correct and everything else, but ultimately to release them to live in a way that brings glory to God and, and to show them how to do that. Um, but, you know, practical stuff on all this, whether it's purpose or whether it's any of these things, um, it, you know, it's going to take time. Mm-hmm. We're going to be patient with people, patient with their ups and downs, their flip-flops. A lot of people coming out of Mormonism flip-flop on a lot of things. They want a mentor, then they don't want a mentor, or they, or they want to get involved, and then they don't want to get involved in something, and they want to go back. And so it's, it's challenging. Um, but I want to be faithful. If, if they're not, I want to be faithful to them. I want to prove they can trust me by keeping my commitments to them, by um, proving that I, my faithfulness in the relationship with them. And whether whether it's a church or whether it's an individual, you know, um, when it comes to doctrine, I a lot of times I've seen that when people want to mentor former Mormons, they really make it all about doctrine, hmm. and doctrine is important. It's really really important, but I think a lot of us are kind of clueless about the other dimensions that we've been talking about. And we think, well, if we can just get them ag- to agree to right doctrine, then that takes care of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's not entirely true. We have to be willing to put up with a certain amount of um, heresy, I guess you could say, on a person's part. They're figuring it out. They're not going to just maybe jump right in and, and agree with what, I'm, what the Bible says about everything. So I need to give them space to discover that for themselves and to live with some ambiguity and realize it's a process, you know. Um, you know, and, and, and so we just want to, at a church level, we want to find ways to train our members to be wise and sensitive and, and um, you know, healthy in how they embrace and welcome in people who are on this journey. Mm-hmm. That's really helpful. Thank you for walking us through those six obstacles that many Latter-day Saints face in the journey leaving Mormonism. As a reminder, the six are surviving the emotional journey, facing relationship challenges, navigating doctrinal differences, growing a relationship with Jesus, connecting with a local church, and finding a new purpose. For life. Again, this is the Culture Wise Podcast. 
where God's good news meets the Latter-day Saints with wisdom and grace.